Essay is late for Professor Riley. I'm like running with toast in my mouth. <laughs> yeah, Riley has like commissioned me to write a bunch of international relations essays just because he wants to read the titles. That's, That's absolutely right. true. I would love to read the titles. Yeah, uh, yeah. You're like have have like a dozen of these on my desk first thing Monday morning. Yeah. Um, titles only. Mm. I, I, actually, it's so weird that I went to um I went to university in Central Florida for international relations, but I only wanted to learn how to write the titles. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> there you right, go. Right. There it is. Hi, yeah, everybody. Ronnie was the 20th for the 20th trijacker. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah. I had to write stuff like, um, oh, here's one uh, Climbing the Mountain of Conflict. No, uh, I, I've, I've got one. I've got one. Pythagoras's Bastards, the Aegean Triangle in Naval Technology, 320 BC to 21 AD. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Pythagoras is bossed. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know what's funny? Mm. Um, reading what's any funny? article about Kanye West from before 2018. Mm. Uh, like I just, yeah. I just picked one up uh, from BuzzFeed from 2014. God, it, remember that website? It says, uh, it says <laughs> which, "Which Kanye West are you?" And weirdly, it's all uh, it's, it's Black Hitler. What? Uh, mm. no, uh, Kanye <laughs> West. New Tarantino film just dropped. <laughs> Kanye West is is Black Bruce Wayne on a new leaked song. Well, not. Entirely, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Keep him, keep him, keep him. To be fair, yeah. If you wanted to like throw people off your secret identity as Batman, saying I think Hitler had some good ideas mm -hmm. would be a pretty good, that would be a smart thing for Bruce Wayne to do. Yeah, no one would be talking. He could reveal that he's Batman, no. and people would be like, "Oh, what about the other stuff?" Yeah. <laughs> imagine, imagine a guy going on TV and saying, "I think Hitler had some good ideas," and saying. I think that guy's got a secret base under his house. Oh, <laughs> wait, crime. After the plot of The Dark Knight Rises, like Batman has fled to Argentina to like live in secrecy. <laughs> and he's going around talking like this. No, no, my, I came over from Nazi Germany. I have no <laughs> connection to Gotham whatsoever. <laughs> Batman uh, was an Operation Paperclip yeah. guy. <laughs> that, 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 maybe it's his father, Mr. Wayne. Uh, yeah, mm. it's a very. So the, the article itself is just about, It's just all dead links in songs that are no longer available and stuff. Uh, but uh, songs that are no longer well, available. Yeah, like it posted on SoundCloud and then just deleted or whatever. Oh, right, okay. right. So, like everything. Yeah, like the internet, mm. like has sort of no archival backstop whatsoever. Yeah. Nothing. Uh, everything is like it's sort of on this gossamer thin layer of stuff that we're currently interacting with. Also, like there, there was that thing where. Um, because BuzzFeed relied so much on GIFs, right? And like the GIF library. Mm -hmm. And I don't know exactly what happened, but like there was basically like a licensing change, uh, which meant that like the GIF repository that had them, uh, no, like had like most of them, like no longer kind of contained them. So when you go onto GIF a lot of GIF library of Alexandria. That's right. Well, basically, yeah, like it burned <laughs> down. So you go onto like, you know, your BuzzFeed, your HuffPost, and all those things, and you've got all these dead links because they relied so much on like reaction GIFs that like just don't exist anymore. Yeah, well, and it's such a yeah, shame because reaction be a gifts were such a great. They were, yeah. Right. It was right. a better time. I've got... the, the, there used to be a Tumblr called BuzzFeed articles with the gifts removed or without the gifts. That it really did seem like the sort of writings of a madman. When you <laughs> yeah. I've got, I've got stuff. I've got stuff. Uh, it's trash what? future. You know who it is. You know what it yeah, is. Yeah, with now with no gifts. Uh, not a single gift to be. We <laughs> yeah. used to have mm. gifts. Yeah, you, you. If you had a, there was a special yeah, you amount. You couldn't see them, but they were well, playing in the, the studio. There was a special amount that you could be a member of on Patreon, and we wouldn't tell you the amount. But if you paid it, you got the episode with gifts. There's uh, definitely, there's definitely mm. like a universe of which there is a listicle that's like, what member of Trash Future are you? Yeah, and they're all Milo. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's Milo. If you're doing the quiz, you're Milo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Milo, I mean, say the one thing about him. He loves the quiz. Uh, yeah, it's, it's Milo-coded behavior. Yeah, he's found out, uh, you know what, interestingly, he's a, uh, he's a carry. Uh, <clears throat> no, I have important information. Very, very important information to share, which is, we all, look, anyone listening to this uh, episode, uh, who has listened to our Sydney live show will know the mm -hmm. favorite character of the entire Australia tour was, of course, the gender reveal hoon. Of course. Yeah. And I, mm. I have a, a disturbing new press release from the Minister for Police well, and Corrective also Services. Known Andrew Law. <laughs> yeah. The Minister for <laughs> we, uh, Legally speaking, Andrew Law has not committed a crime. Uh, <laughs> well, he's never ruled a gender as far as you know. 
<laughs> the, yeah, he's never revealed. This is we would never do that. This is the minister. <laughs> Andrew for, Law still doesn't know the gender of his own two children. <laughs> yeah. This is he refuses <laughs> to reveal them even to himself. This is a press release <laughs> from the Police and Corrective Services and Minister for Fire and Emergency Services, the Honorable Mark Ryan. Title: Hooning Consequences mm. Cut Deep as Emergency Services Work Together to Keep Queenslanders Safe. Oh no, that's mm -hmm. an in, uh, an international relations title. Oh uh, yeah, the <laughs> hooning the gender reveal: a study of Australian masculinity, nineteen sixty eight to uh, seventy four. Hooning the Mediterranean in the time of Pompey Magnus. Naval strategy, mm -hmm. looking forward and backward. Oh, love love to hoon the Mediterranean. A uh, uh, full hoon, at Mount Glorious. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right. Let me read this article. <laughs> the government has today sent a strong message to hoons by destroying a hoon it's car. Like a strong message to. <laughs> By destroying, like they've, they've called their ambassador to Canberra, <laughs> the head of the Hoons, and they've laid down the gauntlet. Oh, this is Brisbane; it's a state level. Mm, uh, by destroying a Hoon car on they've the summoned steps him to of Queen's Bay District Council. Hold on, <laughs> it's it's like ISIS, right? They've assassinated the number two Hoon <laughs> by destroying a Hoon car on the steps of Queensland's Parliament House. Uh, and, and this was the gender reveal guy. He got his car taken apart with bandsaws <laughs> in the in front of Queensland's Parliament imagine House. Imagine being imagine being so cool that the government has to destroy your car on their own front. You lawn. rocked too hard, Abu Bakr yeah. Al Holden Commodore. I know we keep going back to this, but like this is self defeating because this is what the Hoons wanted. Like you, it, it, it's, it's that thing, isn't it? Where it's just like you kind of become the thing that you hate, yeah. and so. The, the queens of the government have just become hoons themselves. That's absolutely correct. Yeah. They're destroying a car in from their own front lawn. It's, it's like it's like the thing where you know it's um by dis the only way to beat the hoons is to adopt hoon ways. You know, it's mm, uh, yeah. it's a thing like a hoon. You either die a hero or you live long enough to become a villain. Except I don't know because the hoons are heroes in this situation. Yeah. And so. so yeah, what do you what it is? If is you this say is hoon enough? It really starts feeling like a slur. Yeah. Well, <laughs> fortunately, there it's are a not. lot of things in Australia where if you say it long enough, it does feel like a slur. And sometimes you do wonder: is this a slur or is this just a word that they say sometimes? Yeah. The leader of the hoons has been chained to a rock and he's being swooped repeatedly by the same magpie for eternity. So it says <laughs> today's vehicle was confiscated and forfeited by a hoon who used his defective car as part of a gender reveal stunt in Logan late last year. <laughs> And then they posted a video of it with the Earth, Wind, and Fire song over them dismantling the car oh, with saws. Oh, yes. I yeah. saw this. It's an, esoter it's an esoteric choice, uh -huh. shall we say. Well, I mean, I, I think it's because they made the saws sound like the chorus, but still, Moon never mind. September. Yeah. That, so, you know, it's... <laughs> um. I want to reveal agenda. So, look, look. It's time for... Like, we're going to catch up with some other old friends. The, I think the gender reveal hoon... Is probably done hooning for a while. Uh, He's hung up his Commodore. This is the thing. It's like ISIS guys, right? You kill the number one hoon, right? There's just another hoon in his place. Mm, that is true. Yeah, they're going back to hoon racket let to a elect a new hoon. Let a thousand mm -hmm. flowers mm -hmm. hoon. That's right. No, no so look. People are entitled to their <laughs> burnout proclivities. <laughs> I'd, love, I'd love to be like a foreign hoon. Like escaping Britain to go, um, to, go to, to go to Australia and become a hoon. What you mean? <laughs> you mean like Tokyo Drift, but in Australia? Yes, that's yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. what you're, you're describing. Yeah. The plot Brisbane of Tokyo Drift. Drift. Yeah. Is it yeah, less Brisbane of a Drift. Drift in more of a burnout <laughs> than a three rack off. <laughs> yeah, uh, you, Brisbane hoon. If yeah. you are yeah. listening, uh, Mr. Movies, uh, we have a great mm. new Fast and Furious Masayoshi movies. Uh, so yeah, we're going to catch up with some more friends. Uh, wouldn't you know it? Uh, the uh, Sam Bankman-Fried FTX collapse saga has continued as Sam Bankman-Fried, against, I would say, the advice of all of his remaining lawyers, who you can only assume have mm -hmm. given themselves repetitive strain wrist injuries, making the shut yeah, the fuck up hand gesture. Well, he, do he, he doesn't have lawyers anymore because he keeps firing them. And right now they're trying to, because he's being sued many times, they're trying to figure out who represents him. Mm. And the answer right now is himself. Great. Well, that's always a good sign. If you're representing yourself mm -hmm. in court, that means shit is going well, <laughs> I think. It's, it's like the old expression, you have a really smart guy for a client. Yeah, I'm going to show my fucking bitch of a wife, and I don't need lawyers <laughs> to do it. <laughs> I swear to fucking God, this is like, like every other white-collar criminal goes to, like, golf jail, 
but mm-hmm. he's doing mm-hmm. his absolute fucking best to be like strapped the fucking keel hauled. He's he's self hooning. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's self hooning, and I, I and I uh, and I and I have a lot of respect for that. I, I like to imagine golf jail. I know exactly what you mean by golf jail, but I'm now imagining it as a jail you go to as part of a game of golf, like like the hockey sin bin before golf. <laughs> <laughs> like if you fight the other player on the golf course, you get a 10-minute timeout. Oh, yeah, what position do you play in golf? Oh, yeah, I'm pretty much the goon. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm the enforcer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just there to body check the other golfers when they're trying to putt. <laughs> Only uses a nine iron. I spent a lot of time in golf jail. Uh, no, so what he did was <laughs> he went. He was invited many, much, much like all of like every crypto related thing from like last May onwards mm. was essentially a hangover from back when crypto was a real thing. Yeah, sure. Um, mm. So he was first as fast, then yeah. as slightly more ridiculous fast. Yeah, uh, and he so he was invited as like one of the last gat, one of the last things about crypto that did seem real to some people until it very quickly mm. didn't was invited to a New York Times deal book conference to speak. And because he has fired every lawyer trying to keep him from being like torn apart by horses like Genghis Khan. Well, um, the like Genghis, Genghis Khan, Khan, would, Khan do. would do. Yeah, yeah, indeed. The US yeah. government has <laughs> hired Genghis Khan for one last job. <laughs> he goes on this um, New York Times deal book event, right? As I said, mm. against the advice of Deals. every lawyer that has ever like spoken to yeah like Mm. but by this point like people who aren't even lawyers have started telling him that he's incriminating himself like journalists Mm. are going you know you don't have to answer this question out of pity and he goes no i actually love crimes multiple alter egos of lionel hutz are currently advising him well well, what my favorite element was though was when the bankruptcy and what i think a real failure of journalism at the new york times um, is that when bankruptcy protection documents were revealed, they revealed FTX's big creditors. Uh, there are the usual ones. There are a bunch of law firms from around the world. AWS is their biggest creditor. Mm-hmm. But my favorite, well, I mean, the best possible one, which is their fourth largest creditor, which is a $55,000 unpaid bill at the Bahamas Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville. Yes. <laughs> yes, let's fucking go. Like, so their fourth biggest expense is a bar tab? Correct, yes. At Margaritaville. It's a lot of margaritas. Do, yeah. Or like I'm, I'm going to say, is there food on the table here too? Uh, you know, weirdly enough, the bankruptcy protection documents don't specify what they order. Uh, they you know what, really do you know, should. Do you know we what, need to yeah. reform bankruptcy. Do you know what this is? This is that line from The Wolf of Wall Street where like, I can't remember whoever it is exactly, but this line that's along the lines of like, why have you spent so much money on sides? Do the sides cure cancer? And it's like, yeah, the sides cure cancer. That's why there's so many. Of them. I I can't remember what the line is, but this is it. They just they decided to do the bit from the Wolf of Wall Street. Well, they wanted. I think they they just they want. They were. You, you know, he gets out of hand if you have a couple of drinks and you start ordering. <laughs> no, because I don't. What it is? I can understand. I'm a very couple of Rubicon yeah. mangoes. Yeah, yeah, you it, start goes, ordering. It, goes, it goes a bit. It goes a bit crazy. I might order like you know two desserts instead of one. Um, so I totally do get it. Yeah. So, uh, we've had so many scandals now that we've done all of the memorable bits from The Wolf of Wall Street, <laughs> and now we're down to imitating the bits from The Wolf of Wall Street. They're like, oh, fuck, what was yeah. that one line bits, about the sides? Like bits that don't have an associated YouTube clip. Yeah. Um, Mr. Bangman yes, Freeb is yeah, quoted as saying, mm. what I like, <laughs> what, I, what I like so much about this, though, right, is that just the whole thing just goes to show how much of a fucking wad this guy was, uh, uh, where, mm-hmm. you, where your biggest ambition is just. To go to a Margaritaville and run up a sort of like I mean, an Instagram worthy bar tab. I mean, to be fair, we don't know how big the polycule was. So yeah, <laughs> that's probably true. a lot of that's people true. wanted a lot of people yeah. wanted margaritas. He had, to, he had to buy sides for all of his headmates. <laughs> yeah. So he said uh, the jalapeno poppers don't go around as far when you've got like six girlfriends. Well, anyway, <laughs> all engaged in sort of like imperial Chinese racist concubine play. Well, a real thing that they were into, by the way. What um. What I find is a real failure of journalism in the New York Times' part is nobody asked about the Margaritaville bar tab. Not a single person asked what they got. No one asked if it was a corporate party or they just went there a lot. You know, no one asked. Make Riley a journalist. Sort of like they should have sent a poet. They should have sent a food magazine. They should have like given it to the like the restaurant section. No one at the New York Times appreciates treats. Yeah, Giles Corrin should have been there (laughs) asking the question. He says, he says, I did not try to commit fraud on anyone. He told a number of witnesses. On anyone. Um, 
And yeah, I wasn't on anyone when I was. He then said, "I was failing to pay nearly enough attention to the positions and risk on the exchange and to Alameda's in particular. I underestimated what the scale and speed of the crypto market crash would look like." So essentially, he said, "Yes, I may have gambled with all of my customers' money. Uh, I may have base I can take yeah, it as an exchange, but, and but yeah. I lost because I'm stupid." Is the thing. Yeah. <laughs> this has kind of the vibe. Of I was drunk on margaritas. This has, this has kind of the vibe of Rebecca Vardy being cross-examined, and when asked if she'd read a WhatsApp, she said no, and then the barrister said, but you re- you wrote that WhatsApp, and she said, yeah, I wrote it, I didn't read it. And this this kind of, to me, this evokes the same energy, <laughs> being like, well, yes, I did, I did gamble away all of my customers' money, but I didn't understand what I was doing. <laughs> you don't understand. I had spent... $23.95 on Jimmy's Jam and Jambalaya. <laughs> I was fucked up off of that and crispy coconut shrimp. And that's when I started to like make withdrawals of my own customers. Yeah, this is when I was heavily into lean. So I'm going to be using the lean defense. <laughs> uh, additionally, as well, um, for just catching up on some other, other friends, uh, Elon Musk, uh, after saying he was going to declare war on Apple, well, uh, Alice, you fill mm-hmm. us in. What happened? Um, so at the time I posted, Tim Apple is gonna do this man Le Chiffre style, and <laughs> shortly after that, Elon posted about how he had been taken to, like, been given a tour of the Apple campus by Tim Cook, Tim Apple, um, and now it was all just a big misunderstanding, we're not going to war after all, actually Apple are based, um, Tim, Tim and, and Elon started following each other on Twitter, and you can kind of read between the lines of how that conversation went. Do you think he make... killed Elon Musk and replaced him with a body double? Well, I think what happened... I would say 30% chance minimum. <laughs> I, I, th- I, I suspect what happened is actually that uh, Musk has pilled Tim Apple. And he's just mm. they're just going to slowly <laughs> pill everyone until everything mm-hmm. is gab. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Universal mm-hmm. gab by way of just one <laughs> fucking South African. Um, no, cl- clearly what's happened here is that uh, Tim Apple has sat him down on the wicker chair that doesn't have a seat and, and just explained some things to him about how Twitter is going to work. Mm. And, I, you know, he's he's gone for it because Elon has at least some sense of self-preservation left. Yeah, instead of a ball sack, Elon Musk now has one Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville jalapeno popper. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he says, he thanked Tim Cook for, quote, taking me round Apple's beautiful HQ and then posted a video as, I guess, proof of life. <laughs> yeah, also, curiously, neither of the tweets that he posted about it sound very much like Elon Musk. His sort of like his Twitter voice. It's very evocative of when Trump was tweeting and he would have tweets that did not sound like him. And they were clearly the moments when someone had wrestled the phone out of his hand. Um, so I, I fully believe that there was a sort of, um, you know, an Apple Black Ops squad uh, with the like quad tube night vision goggles and stuff who was dictating that tweet. That's very funny to imagine like a bunch of guys in like full like operator gear, but they've got like little Apple patches on. <laughs> well, because th- yeah. this is one of these things where, um, Alice, we were talking about this earlier, where hmm. l- like so many of these different crazy projects, um, especially like as we understand them as like like Liz Truss and Elon Musk, more or less approaching their activity in kind of the same way. Um, I'm sure. not going to be here for long, but I'm here for a good time. <laughs> uh, is essentially <laughs> that um, they- this is their project, whether that is the kind of um. Oh, like like semi neo reactionary, semi classical. I'm here liberal. for a good time, not a long time. Also, I'm not having a good time. Yeah, but th- these kinds of projects um, slamming up against reality, right? They're unable to live in the realm of the unreal and the stories they tell one another. And at some point, the fact that Twitter is an app that has to be downloaded from an app store and an app store that is in a company that has to abide by like everywhere's territorial jurisdictions because it only works if it's everywhere, right? These realities, you can't just post your way through them. And if you try to just like change your content moderation policies and uh, you know, like a lap and try to post your way through it, then Tim Apple is going to sit you down in the James Bond chair <laughs> and hit you very hard in the testicles with a rope. Yeah, well, the thing is, right, like in both cases, Truss and Musk, the agent of reality has to be someone whose like own business model is, uh, you know, at worst, 5% less unrealistic and insane than theirs. And so, 
like it, the fact that it was the bond market that had to like break the news to Liz Trust that this was not eco- like economically sustainable, as if the bond markets were some sort of great you know bulwark of rational economies. Uh, much the same, Tim Apple, whose whose business is as you say, you know, being everywhere, doing everything for everyone, as if that's a normal state of affairs, has to be like. Uh, it has to explain the, the sort of the facts of life to Elon Musk. Well, it's also like extremely like posting. Like you can really understand this in the form of posting, in the sense that all the sort of like shouting at Elon about, oh, you can't like you know you can't like ban left wing accounts because what about free speech and all that sort of stuff is like for sort of fallen on deaf ears. But what's kind of made him listen is basically like a guy who it basically says, yeah, your stuff is incompatible. And that's it, mm-hmm. right? And it's just, and it, and it's the same with like trust too, where like you could sort of kind of make the moral case for why her policies were like fucking awful and nonsensical and they would sort of make things worse and it would fall onto deaf ears but then you sort of have this like bureaucratic institution that basically says yeah it's incompatible and there's nothing you can do about it well the question is really just says no the question is just power right and fundamentally it's because liz trust did what she did because she did not understand that the role of the british government such as it is, as it was constituted by Thatcher, basically, is to mediate between the British economy and bond markets. Just like Elon Musk did not understand that the role of Twitter as a company is to exist on the App Store and take advertising profits. And the, the, and the fact is, a more powerful agent that controls the machine within which they are players basically tells them that, you know, that, that silly time is over. Yeah, Elon Musk thought he was getting away from the mods, but he just had to face the final boss of mods. <laughs> now, it's of course <laughs> the economy's mods. That's not to say that he's yeah, going. And, and the final boss of mods had like five health bars and just crushed him with yeah, one. Yeah, he's roller skating. He he's eating dogs. hamburgers. And so, you know, the, the, and so because <laughs> he's doing fat rolls because he has no idea how to build a character. <laughs> so, and, and that's not to say that immediately there's going to be like a voltaface or whatever, but rather that his fantasy about what's going to happen is very swiftly crashing into reality where he's going to have to make a decision. Does he want to be friends with Sargon of Akkad or does he no longer want to be the richest man in the world? Well, now those two things are compatible. I think there's room yeah. for quite a lot of like sort of triggering of us to continue happening. I think there's a decent amount that Apple are like willing to let him fuck around with. Um, I, I think it's just, it's from now on it's controlled opposition if you know what I mean. Like uh, and I think that probably won't make a difference to the sort of people who will be doing the triggering of us because, you know, they've always been, you know, they've always had paymasters, they've always been sort of like told what they can and can't say, so it's nothing new to them. But, you know, for Cat Turd 2 or like Super Hitler 1488 or whatever, whether or not it makes a difference. Yeah, whether or not it makes a difference that Elon Musk is like no longer an epic free speech warrior, but is in fact. Apple's epic mm. free speech warrior. Uh, who's to say? The final boss of Hitler. Yeah. Well, it, it's it's. I <laughs> you think Hitler's dead, and then a whole other health bar appears. It's the the, the <laughs> thing to remember here. Of a Wolfenstein. Yeah. The thing to remember here is basically just that it's it's about power monopoly and who controls what. Um. And you know, in this, and, and what's interesting, right, is that this is what it takes to like get Republicans in the states, and to a lesser extent, Tories here talking about market power. Where it, where Florida Florida governor this is from the FT Florida's governor Ron DeSantis has now Normal warned guy. Apple that removing Twitter from the App Store would be viewed as a raw exercise of raw exercise of monopolistic power and would merit a response from Congress. It is market failure when people don't like my tweets? <laughs> but that's that's very funny because we can talk about DeSantis in this context because the the place where he's coming to this from is successfully selling himself as being the guy who stood up to Disney in the in like in Florida right which they tried to do and yeah okay Disney did not like stave his balls in with a knotted rope but Disney still got pretty much everything they wanted out of him in the end he's like it's not even really Mickey Mouse in there it's just a guy I demand yeah. answers. Well, that's also like another really good example you were talking about, about like reality sort of crashing in and how like, I guess for a while, and like Elon very much is this type, someone who was able to kind of like build a reputation and kind of influence markets in the same way that Ron DeSantis was able to influence like politics by kind of playing the culture warrior and sort of projecting this kind of vision of what uh, they, who they felt their enemies were. And it was kind of like convenient for them. 
And then as you sort of mentioned, well, when you sort of like get when when you're the dog and you finally chase the car, when you sort of get what you want and you realize that like, you know, oh, this wasn't how I kind of projected this be. Or maybe that you maybe you know, but like you just basically can't keep that projection up. Eventually you do have to you you do like succumb to power use or you succumb to kind of like things as the way they are. The sort of like the real danger in that is like what happens when you've sort of projected such a cogent vision of like what is demonstrably false. And people who like are not sort of like who don't want to like make who never had power and don't want to maintain it or kind of very sincerely believe that the enemies that you've identified are um, are like very much present and like live among them. Like I feel like that's sort of where the danger is, right? Mm. I always think about like the story that came out. The few, like it was years ago about there was a woman who's like who used to do like these kind of very weird YouTube videos, and she was convinced that like YouTube demonetized. Her videos and so she went to like the san francisco office or whatever with a gun and just like shot the place up and i don't think anyone oh, yeah, i think yeah, a few, I pe I think a few woman, people yeah. were injured i don't think anyone died but it's like that really cogent I, I i remember this woman because people thought that she was trans because she looked bricked up oh my god <laughs> she, was not, she, she was cis but like the, this was genuinely like a focus of conspiracy theories that this yeah, one was yeah. like secretly transgender well oh geez okay like so i i didn't know that and now i'm just sort of thinking okay like let's not bring any laws into this, uh q, this q, q angle like it's, <laughs> yeah. it's another q angle um mm -hmm. but like that's kind of like one of those very clear examples of like well what happens when you know, people sincerely believe that like they're being suppressed and like that there are sort of like pedophilic phantoms that live among them and they all sort of work at YouTube and Google and like they sit on beanbags and stuff. And well, like weirdly, we have another example of that with Kanye, who genuinely like is going too far for a lot of right wing grifters because we just saw him get interviewed by Alex Jones, a guy who has lost infinity billion dollars from like not saying the quiet part quiet enough. And just fully going at, like Hitler pilled. Um, well, this is like is I, I thought the Kanye stuff mm. is like really, fa and I don't really know. It's I don't amphetamines in it. I don't sort. Of, I don't sort of have a take on it <laughs> yeah. uh, because I, I you know, I'm still sort of thinking about it. But like Kanye's, you know, you would sort of think that for someone like Kanye, he would kind of know. Okay, or he would sort of set like a boundary or a limit as to like what he would. There would be. You'd think that there would be a point where he's just like, okay, I'm not gonna go any further i've made like whatever point i've sort of made my new allies or whatever but like when he did the whole hitler thing and he was sort of insistent even after alex jones was like run the credits run the credits and he's still like openly basically saying that yeah hitler had like had some good ideas or whatever um yeah like he's kind of made that choice i i, I again like i don't know and i don't want to like mm. i know hitler invented I know, the microphone I, that was a good one i know <laughs> Wow, I think I, I, genuinely, he's he's just sort of uh, he's entered into this ecosystem of grifters as someone who wholeheartedly believes in the anti-Semitism, yeah. in the sort of like the Hitler worship and the conspiracy theories, and, and runs directly into like fucking Tim Pool or uh, Alex Jones, who don't and have just like lit upon it as a good way to make money. And it, it's just like it's like a knife through butter. Yeah, because Kanye is actually just mentally ill, whereas the rest yes. of them are grifters, yeah. and that that's like the interesting tension where they're being like, "No, you're not supposed to do quite this much. You're supposed to be using your rational faculties to do just enough anti-Semitism yeah. to keep the audience on board, but so that we don't get like banned everywhere." You have to use more vague terms, Kanye, and he just won't do it. He won't no. do it. But then no. they've come up against a man who's literally completely lost his mind, <laughs> and they don't know mm -hmm. what to do. Uh, so bringing it bringing it sort of back round to the um I think the the, the subject of, of of Elon Twitter and Tim Apple, uh, I think what we're what we're seeing is as we say this the fantasy of the stories that people tell one another to gas each other up and to um as we say to motivate one another to continue working together to continue you know doing things what have you um crap someone you're never because you're never supposed to be able to do it right. The anticipation that you're about to do it just maintains everyone's excitement about you. It's always anticipatory. It's always ever closer. Uh, don't forget, he had to be sued into buying it. It's edging. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's essentially edging, which is, again, the same thing that happened with the, with the trust government, right? They were never really mm. actually supposed wow. to put the IEA guys in charge. <laughs> Not very funny. Thank you. They were never supposed to put the IEA guys actually in charge. 
they were supposed because the real the real power of their ideology came from the fact that well real capitalism it's ju- we're almost there if we can just get a little more power if you can just support us a little bit longer then we finally can do away with the sort of occluded socialism that keeps Britain from finally clearing as a real market economy and utopia from springing into being but now, they're never supposed to heave. they're never supposed to get there um and what I find really, the really... The dog's not catching cars department really fucked up that week. What I find so interesting, <laughs> right, is that part of the result of that, sort of shifting the focus over to the UK a little bit, is, uh, is Rishi Sunak sort of not necessarily seeking rapprochement with the EU, but of just quite, of quite simply like doing things like raising taxes, for example. Yeah, uh, I've, I've enjoyed Rishi Sunak's sort of like program of spend the last sort of month or so hiding. I've really mm. liked that. Just in the yeah. hope that if we turn the lights off, uh, then like the economy will go away. Look, and the economy is ringing the doorbell quite insistently at this point. Look, for, for small guys, like it's the only thing that we've got, right? You just hide yeah. and you hope that no one sees you. Sometimes it's worked. Sometimes yeah. like yeah. they just yeah. won't see. He's nowhere too near tall. the parapet. <laughs> well, I, 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 <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's it's kind of it's kind of worked quite well for him in that there's he's been out of the news. We, we haven't really been talking about him. No one else has. Well, his PR team um, is also very good at keeping him out of the news, except for when they want you. They want you to sort of pay attention. Well, it's the, what he's done is he's doing the. Um, he looked over at like Belgium for the last sort of decade and was like, "Look, it worked for them. Okay, we're just gonna have no government." You could genuinely forget that there was a prime minister, let alone who it was. Um, however, the, the doorbell ringing intensifies as we see the sort of like wave of strikes approaching amongst other things. Uh-oh. Um, Mick Lynch, yeah, round we're, two, let's we're, go. Mick Lynch is like looking through the curtains and discovering Rishi Sunak hiding sort of like at below sofa level. Mm. And, and it's yeah. not, it's not, not even crouching. <laughs> it's, no, no. <laughs> it's, it's not just, uh, it's not just a sort of a further wave of strikes across the university sector in the NHS, uh, in the transport sector among the communications workers union fire as well, brigades, fire brigades. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. It is. There's a, a wave of strikes, but equally, um, podcasters, we're going to do it. I don't even know who we're striking against. Uh, the listener. That's all right. Uh, but equally, to talk to Sunak if you want the podcast union. back. <laughs> yeah. Just doing the sort of the Mick Lynch bit, but like 100% ironically of like the government, this is the government's fault because they refuse to negotiate with us. We've made our (laughs) our demands very clear and not even a junior minister has come to the studio to negotiate with us to end this strike. To be honest, I think think the government's probably unlikely to negotiate with us at all. If, uh, if Rishi Sunak really wants this podcast to continue, he will meet me at the Shalimar Kebab House mm, tomorrow yeah. evening. Delicious. <laughs> Bring uh, cash, Rishi. <laughs> Bring cash. They did not participate in the Out to Help Out because officially that business does not exist. <laughs> but, but right. And what's interesting is. Don't bring a large note. They're not going to break that. Everything is like three pounds. <laughs> and as he gets continually corralled, into doing the things that are just required by interacting with reality, because we remember what happened to the one prime minister that didn't do that. Oh right? yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. They wrote a book about her. Yeah, out of she the got blue. to retire early. Yeah, she. They, they wrote a book about it. I really hope we do read it one we day. Don't. But I do want to remember. We will. But the last sentence in that book. Oh, it's so good. I was going to mention this. Let's let's save it for the book. Let's save it for the episode. Look up the last sentence. Uh, I genuinely haven't stopped thinking. What I talk, what I say about here, right, is Rishi Sunak being like many Tory prime ministers before him, uh, sort of since basically, yes, since like Theresa May, keeps getting like bamboozled by reality into doing very un-Tory things. Like, for example, raising benefits in line with inflation. Mm. Right? He uh, did want to do I've got a question for you. Would you watch pornography where a Tory Prime Minister of Great Britain is forced <laughs> by, a, by a dom into doing things that are basic necessities for the running of the country? <laughs> Getting fucked by reality in 4K. That's right. Uh, That's right, yeah. stuck in the economy. <laughs> yeah. That's the problem. He is, he is stuck in the Blonde. economy. Yeah, his stepfather, the Bond market. <laughs> I defer to the the faux Pornhub caption, blonde sub fucks 60 million people at once. Mm. Yeah, uh, so he's been uh, bamboozled into essentially yeah, raising benefits in line with inflation, but he's also more or less forced to seek a closer relationship with Europe because he's unable to pretend that the UK is still a first-rate power that is able to like uh, exist outside of this yeah. sort of and, uh, and that sort of meanwhile, like a guy, a guy in Brussels called like Hans Yap 
his sort of like like looking referring to his tiny little desk calendar and being like i told you so crawling on your knees you would be back i told you you would be back to yarp but I think it's probably also <laughs> You're back in Yarp's room. But you are Yarp pilled. What I'm, what I'm You're on your knees. Oh, sorry, no, you are standing. It's my mistake. What I'm what, what I'm I'm saying here as well is that do you know who now, as Rishi Sunak is basically forced to deal with reality? You know who's the agent of unreality? I mean, I assume it's Nigel yeah. Farage, right? It's Keir Starmer. Uh, it is in fact Keir Starmer who is the agent of unreality. Because he is the one who is is now campaigning on the That's fact that too cool a title to apply to Keir Starmer. Yeah, he does. He does give off the vibe of like an agent in the Matrix, but like one of those agents that sort of just like stands in the background and doesn't really say anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, Agent yeah. Brown, the one who checks Neo's pulse and is like, he's gone. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I really like that movie. I remember sort of every element. Oh, of it. I've not even asked him about the woke karate yet. <laughs> Editing Nigel Farage into the mainstream would be a good bit. Uh, but but <laughs> essentially, he, it's Keir Starmer. He does have a sort of carry on energy, Nigel Farage. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. yeah, he's from it was because he sort of feels like he's from that era. But yeah. it is Starmer who's mm. now saying that the Tories can't be trusted to make to with Brexit. That they're going to that he respects but, the red but lines. Mr. Starmer, you, you you were against Brexit, and then you were our chief negotiator for Brexit for the deal that we then didn't quite get and what you you were mr like first of all you were mr remain and then you were mr deal and now truly boris johnson has like conquered all he surveyed because we're all brexiteers i I love like keir starmer as like as like the uh guy who only cares about being seen to be sensible like increasingly being forced to take the sensible position on something which is completely insane such as Brexit, like I'm intrigued by like Starmer through through the ages, you know, going like I, I think that the current government is irresponsibly trading the tulips. I think <laughs> they can't be they can't be trusted with our tulip stocks. I think we need someone who is serious about propping up the value of valuable tulips, which are core <laughs> to our economy. Yeah, it's it's like look, the the last crypto enthusiast is going to be a labor person. Um, yeah. But I think that's the reason that Starmer is an agent of unreality in this case, right? The reason that he is, that he says that the prime minister and his allies want to renegotiate Brexit, which requires you to believe that everything's going very well, right? And that this is something that should be defended is because fundamentally, um, Starmer, like someone like Liz Truss, is a creature of the media. He is a creature of the unreality of the crazy stories of the British media because he's seeking their permission to govern. Which means that he is fundamentally subservient to a a group of people. It's very embarrassing to be subservient to in terms of British British journalists. Yeah, and a group of people who have like objectives that are antithetical with even the basic sort of maintenance of government I in this country. I, I get what you're saying. I don't think that he's. I feel I I I'm not I I'm not sort of going to give him credit or like be like oh you know this is kind of 4D chess or whatever because it's not. But I do sort of recognize that like if you're a Labour leader. Like the media in this country is going to give you like a, sh- a much worse time than if you were a Tory, mm. and I do think that like there's the shadow of like a very vindictive media that sort of hangs over him, and there's like precedent to sort of suggest that like okay, well, like they will kind of take shots at you wherever they can, which then means that like if you are a Labour leader, like your choice is either to kind of like reject that system entirely, or you have to sort of like indulge in the fantasies that the media then kind of wants to project themselves. And so you, I can't- Well, you're, you're, you're right. You're right. I mean, I, 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 we've learned from experience that you can't go, well, the election's sort of X number of months out, I'm fucking 20 points ahead, therefore get fucked, because we did that. <laughs> <laughs> my, only, my only like sympathy with like Keir Starmer, so not even, and again, sympathy is not the right word and I don't want it to be read like that, is that like, I think for whatever sort of like sensible analysis he might have, he's also kind of acutely aware that if he kind of articulates that sort of reality, um, they like he will just kind of get pummeled. Mm. And like mm. there have been there's lots of precedents to sort of suggest that's the case. And where I would kind of argue that Boris Johnson kind of fits your profile much better in the sense of someone who has emerged out of media and someone who like has a like had a very very close relationship that involved a lot of indulging with them for like to, in order to prop him up i think in starmer's case it's kind of even worse because he's doing his best to sort of like placate the fantasies 
that tabloid media and like broadcast right right wing broadcast media are dependent on in order to survive. But he's also trying to kind of like do so in a way which may try to signal that he doesn't quite believe what he's saying. And the problem is that he's not he's not a very good actor either, right? Which then means that everything he comes he says comes across as like entirely insincere and unserious. Mm. Um, and I and so it's kind of like I understand what he's trying to do, but I just don't think it's a particularly effective I, I'll, strategy. I'll be perfectly honest. I don't think he's trying to do that. I disagree. Uh, I think that he is. He does not, especially you can look at where he decides he wants to build his power from, which is just the prof I, professional classes who will get permission to vote for him from the Murdoch press, um, which it, and, and specifically how much he's uh, eschewed things like like labor unions, specifically how much he has basically decided uh, that uh, he and the and also his mandarins more or less actively dislike the people who are most likely to vote for them and so on and so on that I think that his his work with the with the press has been um to largely hope that they give him permission to run the country yeah that no, he's agree, completely yeah. cynical and believes nothing uh but also i think that um that that he's he needs to continue having that permission to rule while he's ruling yeah well i, I agree with that only in the sense that i think his analysis is very much like in order to kind of win the election and i think like his acolytes have sort of like said it very very directly that in order to win the next election we basically have to sort of like be on the side, like the sun has to be on our side. And that's sort of where mm. he's kind of like- It's so, not like ancient Egypt in yeah, that way. That's right. Yeah, correct. <laughs> but <laughs> the, 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 the sun god Ra has I to be- welcome the sun god and, and what And what is the sun god, and, and what is the sun god Ra except for the ultimate swooping bird? I think that a man mm. with a head of a dog could, uh, perhaps, but perhaps the prime minister has more of a, a, the nose of a dog for a scandal. Um, no, I think it's yeah, it's kind of this thing where like basically that all of British politics is like two school bullies, and who is the better school bully in terms of like the and and like that it feels like at the moment there's this sense of like the tide is turning and the public are kind of they're gradually starting to notice things because things are so fucked up that even as much as the press tries to be like nah this is normal and good actually people are like no nah, it seems bad and i think everyone is trying to judge the tipping point of at what point you have to stop lying to the public which is your normal default position mm. because the public have kind of realized and so it's sort of but because of course Keir Starmer's like default position as all British politicians is is to go like uh, well um, uh, I think Mr Sunak is declining to jump off of the roof of the sports hall because he is gay and um, <laughs> I, if I were in the position of being on the roof of the of the sports hall I would jump off and I would be fine because I would jump off the roof of the sports hall in a sensible way in the correct way and I, in a way that supports working families it just kind of reminds me it reminds me of this story at school when uh the school bully did actually like convince someone to drink <laughs> to drink from a puddle because if they didn't they, 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 they if because if he didn't he would tell everyone that that kid was gay uh and, and guess what that kid did he was off school for two weeks after that <laughs> Gonna drink, and then he became labor leader. Wait, why are you not drinking from the puddle? Were you going to kiss a bloke later? Is that what you're worried about? It's, a, this, it's more than just Brexit as well, right? Um, although there are certainly a lot of Guardian columnists writing columns basically saying, "Oh, don't believe anything he don't believe anything he says. He's a secret. He's a secret remainer." Uh, and all I, I'm I'm reading. Uh, well, he was previously a public remainer. <laughs> And I'm I'm yeah. I'm reading sort of um as they all were. This is how insane this country's got. Like the, the, the country is now the, both the government and the opposition is entirely made up of people who all agreed we should stay in the European Union, and they're all <laughs> pretending that they don't think that. Well, except 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 Sunak. Wasn't Sunak a no, heavy lever? No, so oh, was he? Yeah. Sunak was a lever, but he's yeah. a. Le but again, he's a lever in the sense of like I think he just sort of knew what side his bread was buttered on. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I, I think so. I think he. I, I genuinely think he really he really believed it. It's just because he is he basically was concerned enough with uh, the doing the actual job that British politicians are supposed to do since Thatcher, which is mediate between the British economy and the bond market. He was too concerned. And also knifing yeah. your boss, yeah. but which is he was, you know, a large part of him being a sort of a lever was him riding Boris Johnson's coattails and then climbing up by a series of knives but that he, he had placed there. But he was essentially too... He was not committed to the fantasy, which is why most people, when polled, think he's a Remainer. 
because he was yeah, because he has Remainer vibes, which are <laughs> which is to say like elite vibes. Nerd also. Um, Nerd also, yeah. yes. But uh, at the same, and so this is this is what I'm driving at, right? Which is that there is a kind a cloud of unreality um, that that these projects crash into, and the thing, and and because the labor right is so reactive to what the actual uh, further right is doing, right? They I would drink from the puddle. <laughs> you <more or> less. <laughs> I can tell you, you can, you can ask my wife if I'm gay, and she would say no. And, and for that reason, I would be more than happy to drink from the puddle, and I would be fine. So bring on the puddle. That's what I, in fact, I think we should pour a puddle in front of the Palace of Westminster and we'll see which one of me or Rishi Sunak is able to drink more of the puddle fastest, much like a game of Hungry Hungry Hippos, which my children very much enjoy. And I play it with them sometimes. Neither of them are gay either, although I would support them if they were. But I have no reason to believe that they are. And I think we'll we'll see who is the gayer of me or, or the Prime Minister. Uh, Devin, you know what to do. Um, <laughs> and so I think that, much like the boy who drank from the puddle, the last... The famous German folklore tale. <laughs> yeah. I love when we discover a new character Die that just occupy a part of my last, brain. The last boy who drank from the puddle, they made a big statue of him in the Millennium Dome, and now no one knows where it's from. Right. Yeah. But, that, but that essentially, right... Um, that they, that just as I believe Labour, I fully believe that when the Tories are eventually just again by no by only by unforced errors on their part, eventually drift into opposition at some point. That when they come back out, they're going to come back out probably with more more authoritarianism, but also maybe with something like oh shit, everyone who voted for us has died. Uh, I guess we should yeah, legalize and some parasites yeah. from having drunk from that puddle. <laughs> I guess we should probably legalize marijuana. And Labour will be the last people opposing the legalization of weed in the UK. I, I've said this before, and I still believe it. Just as and I think advocating the, for savoury vapes only. <laughs> just as I think <laughs> that the last like true believer in the current Brexit deal is probably going to be Stormer, because everyone else seems to want to renegotiate it, except the one guy who's saying we can't possibly renegotiate it because it's wonderful, even though I campaigned against it. Um, I don't. I don't think there's anything wrong with being a Japanese soldier on an island somewhere, still fighting the war. <laughs> In many ways, I, I admire their chutzpah. <laughs> yeah, number of puddles those guys are drinking out of off the fucking chart. That's right. In tropical um, climate, and just mostly like, puddles. And I was also looking a little bit. <laughs> the, most, the most heterosexual a man has ever been. That's right. There's no other dudes there. <laughs> He's on his own. All puddles, no dudes. Yeah, yeah. And if any other dude showed up, he tried to kill him with a gun. Exactly. I mean, just in case he tried to fuck him, uh, he's not so, taking any chance. Yeah. So this is this is a speech from uh, from Jonathan Ashworth uh, in, on Tuesday, who again, like you can see a little bit of the, of that unreality there, right? Where the, where essentially, without having to interact with um, the actual doing of things, they are forced to continue playing along with the fantasy. Here is this. Here is the fantasy, which is labor to be focused on economically inactive, quote unquote, which basically is a much politer way of say of, of signaling benefit scrounging, uh, mm -hmm. where he says that government job centers. Ashworth has said that government job centers have become a frightening place for many people trying to get back into the workplace, which, again, is true, mm. but it's not the main problem with them. They're supposed to be frightening. That's the point of, like, that's what, I mean, I'm not saying it's good, but, like, that's, they're that's supposed the to scare people into not being on benefits. Like, that's, that's how the job center was constituted. Yeah, but the, to the Tories are, like, honest enough to admit that, whereas Labour still have to be like, yeah, but instead of that, we should be, like, compassionately terrifying. Well, I, I think that if people are serious about finding work, they should be prepared to demonstrate that they've been looking for jobs by drinking from the job centre puddle. <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to employ a queer. <laughs> I mean... I, I, I... Homophobic Keir Starmer is where, genuinely... Where are you looking for a job? At the gay bar? Don't be ridiculous. You live in Grimsby. There isn't one. Now... <laughs> <laughs> he said that job centers have become associated with quote the heavy-handed policing of people on benefits 
Which again, that's true. Ashworth, yeah, Ashworth could be a ton heavy-handed to you. Yeah. I, I guess, like the idea of job centers becoming associated with the main thing that they're for. <laughs> like, say, yeah, the Gestapo have become heavily associated with the Nazis, <laughs> but actually, <laughs> says, well, Ashworth said that labor would, you, would still impose conditionality on people receiving benefits, citing a need to protect the taxpayer. He wanted job centers to become a place with an open door to help people find a job. Um, which again, to me, again, that that is just flatly a description of what a job center is supposed to be. <laughs> uh, we're gonna oh, finally opening or the door. A big building that like <laughs> contains employment advisors. It could say maybe yeah. job center over the door. Maybe first of all, you had to. What about job center plus? That'd be even better. Because yeah. um, you you've heard, but previously you had to break into the job center to demonstrate initiative, and they'd set you up with a job as a burglar. <laughs> <laughs> now this is not so much. Uh, let's say unreality that has been encountered in the same way by the Tories, right? That, that no Tories have uh, have begun to, like, broach the idea that perhaps the problem with, uh, uh, say, the, the poverty of um, places like, in, let's say, the north of England or, like, deprived coastal towns, whatever, isn't just because people need to be prodded into finding better jobs, but actually a problem of investment. They haven't stated that. But, uh, again, we it's, once again, you know, it's the... Um, at a time of its greatest power, right? Well, especially and and when the Tories are doing things like raising benefits, which is not a very Tory thing to do, Labour is continuing to talk about imposing benefit conditionality. Just the tinkering around what the design of the job centre—they're going to give you a, a, a benefit sanction with a nice <laughs> note. Mm. You know, it seems it might give you some fizzy water instead of like still. Yeah, Ooh, yeah okay. You're get a can of Lacroix at the benefits <laughs> office. Mm. Uh, but or or even the fact, I mean, going back to the drugs thing, right? That uh, Labour is now officially adopting elements of the Suella Braverman plan, uh, which was previously the Pretty Patel plan. Uh, to they're listening to women of color. Yeah. I appreciate that. That's right. <laughs> uh, to, for example, like name and shame drug users, which again continues to be some a group of people who are caught in the grip of unreality. Now, where it's edited. Name and shame drug users. Let's start with the front bench, shall we? Oi, oi. A lot of. Boy, do people <laughs> love to say that in the replies to stuff. Radio 4 uh, still need work. <laughs> so uh, I can write this shit. I can write it for cheaper than they're doing it. <laughs> and I can do it quicker. Uh, we have to wean our dependence off of foreign labor. Uh, Another yeah. thing that they, that, they, that they have said, right, which is playing into the. Sa- now, it's not news to anyone, right, that the labor right is. Uh, largely there as a Tory tribute act, uh, nor is it news to anyone that they have decided that their path to power lies through appeasing the right-wing press. What is so mm-hmm. interesting, I think, uh, about this moment now is that as the part, as, as, a, as, a, as the group that is not closest, that actually has their le- hands and levers of power, they are the ones who can still afford to live in the world of unreality. They are still the ones who can live in the fantasy. They do not need, and, and the fact is, I think, that they are, when they are likely to form a government, uh, which I think they probably will, again, by default, through no fault of their own, uh, that they will, there is no reason to believe, I think, that they will abandon these fantasies until, again, possibly they are forced to by um, either, uh, the, the kinds of things we talked about with Matt Lawrence, right, until they are forced to by um, uh, actual active political movements at home, or simply crashing into things abroad. And when they crash into things abroad, that ruins the lives of people here. As it has... Going to make strikes illegal, too. Yeah. Um, We're all going to be drinking from the big puddle before too long. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's all we that's can fine. promise you. And so this is... We're all drinking from the big puddle, but some of us are looking at the stars. And so this is, this is a, a, something that was written, actually, by Gabby Hinsliff in The Guardian, uh, which is, it, it, looking at all of this information, uh, set, concludes... That Starmer is leading us uh, on a slow march towards a softer Brexit, but won't say it out loud. Um, which, again, it seems like... Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm taking us towards a softer Brexit, but I'm, I'm playing pretend. Yeah, which he says... <laughs> He's working the system from the inside. Which I, I think is so interesting, because she says, right, she says... Um, <clears throat> The reality is that whoever is in government after 2024 will almost certainly seek to unravel aspects of Boris Johnson's deal, which is due for review in 2025, but neither wants to say so. So instead, they're playing a nervous game of grandmother's footsteps with the public, creeping a step, two or, a step or two closer to a reality-based politics 
when they think they can get away with it, but freezing the minute they're spotted. It's farcical in both cases, but somehow more depressing when it comes from the labor leader, once the great hero of the pro-Remain resistance. Again, how does it feel to be the most fucking Uh. wallet-inspected person of all time, but thinking, (sighs) he's definitely not doing it again. There is no way, no possible universe, in which he would wallet-inspect me a fourth time. I got a whole new new wallet. (laughs) It's Uh. a very funny defense of Keir Starmer to be like, in his defense, you can't believe a man word that man says. <laughs> like, to be honest with you, that like don't go around criticizing Keir Starmer for stuff that he says, okay? Because he doesn't mean any of it. <laughs> this is the problem: is that the remain friendly bit comes across as technical, dull, and vague by comparison with the leave friendly bit. Starmer is shouting through a megaphone at leave voters, but dropping discreet sometimes missable hints at Remainers. This is Wait, like, oh like Q. It's, it's like, this is like, well, I was going to say, yeah, this, is like yeah, fa- yeah. this is like fandom nonsense, but it's not even Q because Q is like much more elaborate. This is sort of like... No, it's the kind of shit that's like the queen is wearing a special brooch to like yeah. signal that she agrees with Yeah, me. or it's just like Taylor Swift is actually saying this in like you know, one of her album drops or whatever. It's, it's, fa- it's fandom shit. And like, yeah. I think that's actually, that is like quite a good way of understanding like the kind of diehards for Kira is very much fandom for like 50 yeah. year olds the Keir Starmer army yeah. <laughs> the, the Starmy army the Starmy yeah. army that's yeah. right. well, I mean and Keir Starmer is dropping hints in much the same way that the queen is with her brooch well, in that the queen is dead oh mm-hmm. yeah. ah, I can't believe I'm sorry I stepped on your thing that's okay <laughs> it's alright Riley we've been friends a long time I can forgive yeah. that so uh, what's it called again when the TV gives you secret hints and messages um, uh, paranoid schizophrenia. Schizophrenia. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I don't really understand. Um, and I do understand really these all, these people all have mortgages to pay, but you know, it is, it is quite, quite galling to look, to, to have an analysis of, I think British of the of British politics that basically says, um, I know the hearts of the people involved and I do not have I do not have a theory mm. of where their power comes from, or where they think their power comes from, of where they are in their parties, where they are in relation to the administrative state. I just know that the Queen's wearing a brooch that start, when Starmer moved some of his papers, he moved them uh, eastwards towards Belgium. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, towards the desk of Hans Yap. Yeah, the Queen was buried in a brooch that said that we're going to rejoin the European Union. And, you know, it's, um, it, it's just, it's, it's why I sort of increasingly think of these big events that are happening, especially after we, we were sustained on such a long period of unreality. When I say unreality, I'm specifically talking about fanciful stories about what will happen next that are completely unrealistic in the, in the medium term, but are good enough to kind of draw together the coalition you need to do to do what you need to do, right? Well, and the trouble is, I think, for Keir Starmer is that he's not, he's not good at the puddle game. That's, <laughs> that's the biggest problem because the Tories are very good at the puddle game and they understand when it's time to change the puddle. And like, it, like you say, it's going to be a Tory who comes in and legalizes weed because they'll suddenly decide it's politically expedient to do so. And it will probably be a Tory who like rejoins the EU or signs the EEA or some such similar thing because they'll suddenly be like, Oh, wait, hang on a second. Keir Starmer's drinking from the puddle. Actually, you misheard me before. Drinking from the puddle is what makes you gay. <laughs> and I have never drunk from the puddle. And so actually Keir Starmer is the gay one. And Starmer, <laughs> with a mouthful of puddle water, we go, no, no, actually, uh, the puddle, I've, I've not been drinking from the puddle either, actually. Um, and I'm straight. down his tie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> ask my wife and she'll tell you. Uh, <laughs> The puddle is such a good metaphor. Yeah, I it can't. Really it's ah, uh, I just like remember that day really well. I think there was like a name for him, but I can't remember what the name was. Puddle boy? No, it wasn't. It was worse, but I can't remember what it was. Uh, it's probably going, unrepeatable. Going to grammar school in England is really Beeping weird. Beeping it out. Yeah. It's just like a very <laughs> weird thing. His name was just a beep, oddly enough. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but uh, that when I talk about like the the sort of what, fourteen years of unreality we've been living through. You know, it's mm. it's things like 120 days of Sodom, yeah. 14 years of unreality. It's, yeah. it's things like just uh, keeping the market going with cheap fake credit, because what that because what that cheap credit is all about, right? Is credit is just a story you're telling that says in the future I will make this I will make this much of a return. I'll perform this economic activity. We'll have this outcome, and then credit is just someone with money believing you, right? That's more or less what that is. And 
comes from the Latin credo to believe. <laughs> Thank you very much. Go back to the puddle. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I, I was enjoying the puddle water. But something I also enjoy is etymology. <laughs> but, I welcome the puddle, but but can just go further by understanding its origins in, in terms of the Indo-European language family. Um, the, the, the fable of the sheep in the puddle. Uh, but right that 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 in that these these companies were created the the, we, the WeWork being obviously the iconic one but even like like Tesla basically right or the this thing happening with Twitter now right but that that for so long these unreal stories have just that have been uh, allowed to proliferate on the basis that we're all going to work together because some completely non-credible thing is going to happen in the near future and that culminated right that all of those years of of what essentially became the like um the ideology that 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 coalesced into like the, into the Tory party after 2016, right? That couldn't but end with either Liz Truss or just never ending, always sort of kicking the can. We're almost going to do the real capitalism now that we freed ourselves from the shackles, right? It, or the um, with with something like Elon and Twitter, it's like, oh, free speech is all just around the corner. We just have to keep fighting the mods. And ooh, I wish I could buy it, but I can't. And Please so on don't and so kick on. the can into my puddle. I'm drinking it. <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've splashed my tie now. <laughs> oh, now you've gone and done it. Mm. Um, and that, now the gloves are off. And that, and that, <laughs> all of this was based on things being cheap, on uh, on, on uh, things being cheap, and that allowed things like credit to be free. But it also meant that uh, people who are in the business of forcing governments to make hard choices because they have certain lines they will not cross, right? They were then forced to make the choices they didn't want to make because, well, they couldn't cross the line of like doing like an actual redistributive policy, right? That would be insane. Um, mm. And so then they were forced to start. Uh, they were forced to start cutting things. They were for, uh, they were forced to start. Um, let's say uh, stop. That's the stories, right? That we are just around the corner from a utopia of growth, of low regulation, of high wages, blah blah blah. Those stories came past the point where they were credible enough. To enough of the coalition, whether that's the coalition of elites, the coalition of voters, the coalition of investors, the coalition of advertisers, whoever, right? Are no, it's it's they have passed that tipping point where these things are no longer credible, and that is why, in my opinion, we are seeing things crash into reality, and uh, only suckers are going to be left holding the bag for those beliefs at this point. Yeah, suckers on straws, which are in a puddle in the middle of the road. Precisely, <laughs> it's sorry. only people sucking from the puddle now, because they, it, they, they, they finally said, "I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna drink from the puddle." And when you <laughs> stand up, when you stand up, the only people who actually drank from the puddle are suckers. Sucking from the puddle. Now we hear. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so interesting to see how all of all of these things develop as uh, as reality comes piercing through the veil. Of uh, mm. our, the collective fiction of 2018, and, and reveals now. which of us is in fact gay. Actually, yeah. that's right. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. which one? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wet, wet mouth for the gay guy. Um, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. This week's episode is brought to you by our wine of the week, uh, which is uh, Chateau Puddle, uh, 2017. <laughs> I was where you were going? It's a very oh, good Wait, vintage. What, what part of France is Chateau Puddle in? Uh, oh, it's a, uh, g- a good question. Um, it's actually uh, Dartford. So um, <laughs> it's close. Yeah, it's it's the close bottom it, of the road outside a yeah, comprehensive. It's, cl- it's close enough to Dover, which is close enough to Calais. Yeah, yeah, honestly, very like, good sparkling white. Yeah. Uh, in good Kent. wines in Kent. Mm, That's I, where Gusborne is. Yeah, uh, uh, it's best, cool. I'm hearing the best ones you can get are from Gravesend. <laughs> well, it's uh, mm. this is a, a little fact for all you out there in podcast land. Uh, Gusborne is uh, cooled enough by the sea breezes that it div- it provides the wines with a really pleasant acidity. I'm going to take, I'll take your word for that. Yeah. Um, sure. Okay. So, uh, All right. you get, uh, yeah, if you live in Gusborne, maybe just try <laughs> drinking from a puddle and I mean, see, yeah. uh, legally, we, we do not recommend drinking well, from a puddle. If you drink from a puddle, it's your own The Kent coastal towns are so miserable that you may as well, if you do find yourself there because like you you got stuck at like Ashford International or something, you mm. may as well buy yourself a nice bottle of wine to yeah. like wait for your train with. And maybe a Cornish pasty co pasty. That's right, yeah. <laughs> well, if you do enjoy uh, some English sparkling white, uh, leave a comment uh, yeah. and say which one. I'm a red-blooded man. I enjoy a pasty from the Cornwall pasty co, or sometimes uh, a sausage roll. <laughs> that, that, he'd say that's his favorite one. 
Mm. Uh, thank you for listening to this free episode of the podcast. Uh, don't forget, there is a Patreon. Mm. Yeah, it you is, can drink there is, from and the there puddle. There is not a live show. No, yeah, no. It turns out there wasn't a live show. There is not a live if, show. If, if you thought there was a live show, there wasn't. You 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 simply imagined that. You're insane. Yeah. We should have said I'm that afraid. there was a live show. It was a secret live show. Um, we mm. didn't get the record. Like, only one person recorded it. And then that could we be like that slurs, could be like though. the mythology, like the hidden live show, the hidden trash future live mm-hmm. show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. Missed yeah. an opportunity um, there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, also, uh, if you're in if you're in New York City, the Big Apple, baby, uh, there are some there are some secret goings on afoot. Uh, refer to the live <laughs> shows tab of the Trash Future Discord. There's some secret goings on afoot. Information. Can you tell me when we're off, mm-hmm. Mike? Yeah. You it's not two- that secret. Okay, cool. It's on two- the Discord. Yeah, it's you not that the- secret. But you need two passwords. You need the door password and you need the gate password. Mm-hmm. And that's you also right. need to wear yeah, your face. You need to drink from the puddle outside that's, the that's door. That's right. Yeah. You, have to, you have to drink yeah. from the puddle as well. Drinking from the puddle <laughs> is just going to stick with me as a concept mm. for a there while. <laughs> All time bad. Um, so you know what? Uh, don't forget, listeners, if someone asks you to drink from a puddle, you can just say no. Unless they say that, unless they say that, if you don't do it, you're gay. But you have to do it because you have to prove that you're not gay. Yeah, you could always say no if you're gay. That you know, that was (laughs) fine. Or if you are gay. <laughs> then you can just say perfect. Well, that's, like that's the beauty or, of being gay. If you don't have gay, to drink from any puddle, it's great. Unless you could you could be gay and then choose to drink from the puddle in order to be like, yes, I am gay, but that doesn't define <laughs> my your sort yeah. of narrow stereotypes of being gay. That doesn't relate to my willingness to drink from that's this right. puddle. What a strange energy this show has had today. <laughs> We'll see you. Uh, see you on the. Yeah, you put the guy's mouth in the puddle and you suck out the <laughs> oh, puddle. God. Like I, it feels so weird that we're gonna be talking to like uh, housing journalist Vicky Spratt next week, who's like documented the various like depredations of like of just the horrible things that Britain like does to people. Yeah, like drinking from a puddle. Being a housing journalist in Britain in 2022 and being on like a funny podcast is like the Times sent their light entertainment correspondent to the Battle of fucking Passchendaele. Yeah, so, that's right. uh, Maybe we can ask her if she would drink. I say, boys, drunk uh, too many puddles recently. <laughs> I don't, well, no, because it doesn't apply have, to yeah. girls because girls don't exist outside of the gay, not gay puddle oh, yeah, that's paradigm. True. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Uh, all right, well, so we're all going to go drink from that puddle. Uh, you know, uh, that that school bully is here. He's <laughs> he's punching one of his fists into his hand. Oh, no. Yeah, he's Nate, got, Nate is here. Yeah, he's got slicked back red hair. Uh, oh boy, he's frightening. Um, he's he's got a switchblade. He's playing with. Uh, he's got a malt, and uh, yeah, he's gonna make us all drink from the puddle. So once we're done that, we'll see you on the bonus episode, which will be a jarring change in tone. Yeah. Bye, everyone. Bye.